list. Hello, everyone. So this is a podcast called The Reading List. My name is Leah. And my name is Riley. And we are a couple from Canada who loves to read. That's um, true, yeah. Particularly the genre of fantasy. And we love to talk. And sci-fi. And sci-fi also. And, yeah. And also a bunch of other genres, but where the Venn diagram of our, in, 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 of our interests intersect are mostly in the fantasy and sci-fi region. Sure. So that's probably going to be the majority of what we talk about. Um, and that is what we are going to start doing today. Um, so we are going to start off by talking about the book Red Rising. Um, you had some fun facts about it. I did. Yeah, I did have some fun facts. Um, Red Rising uh, It's written by a guy named Pierce Brown, and it was released in 2014. So it's like actually, you know, fairly modern, I would say. Uh, and it has a, a brisk 382 pages. So, you know, this is not a big Game of Thrones slog to get through. And it didn't take either one of us very long to get through it. Uh, Riley prefers the audible version. Right. Yeah, audiobooks is, well, that's how I listen to this one anyway. Um, I prefer to read them, so I was on my Kindle, um, but it didn't take either of us very long, and uh, it's the first of a trilogy, um, which actually there's four books in the series now. The fourth one like just came out last right. year. Yeah. Um, but, which was interesting because we've all read the entirety of the series, uh, but we're, we reread, we both reread this book for the podcast. Right. Um, I had read it for the first time about a year ago. Right. Like, so why did we, yeah, I'd read it before then, but like, why did we pick this book to be our first podcast book? That is a fun story. So when Riley and I started dating on our third date, perhaps he saw Red Rising on my bookshelf. Right. Wasn't even my book. No, yeah, I found out later. I, well, I, said, I saw it on your shelf. I was like, oh, that's an awesome book. You you like that book? It's great. And then you're like, oh, I don't know. That's my roommate's. Hadn't read it, um, but generally liked, of course, the genre of, of fantasy. So based on Riley's recommendation, obviously I started reading it right away to impress this guy that I liked. Right. And on that date, we actually talked about starting a YouTube channel talking about books. Um, so this is kind of an offshoot of that. Right. But a far more adult version. Yeah, I remember, again, this is all, like, back when we started dating, but I remember you, like, read that book, and then you posted on Instagram a picture of the book. I did. And, like, a picture of, like, I think some flowers I gave you. Yeah. For, like, it was, like, flowers <laughs> I gave you. second day. Yeah, flowers I gave you because it was, like, a, a date. We were still, yeah, just, just first dating. And uh, you posted on Instagram and said something about like, oh, this guy recommended this great book to me. I was like, nice. That was some hardcore flirting. Right. We were both doing (laughs) at that point in time. Yeah. (laughs) So this is a book with fond memories for us for that reason, which is why we figured we'd we'd start off uh, with with this one. Um, So we figured, I think, that we would start off in general talking about the book kind of spoiler free. Right, yeah. So, like, honestly, like, maybe um, if this podcast goes forward, like, 
it'd be great if uh, you know people had read the book. Obviously, like we're thinking of this as like a sort of a book club sort of situation where we just discuss the book, you know, and include spoilers and stuff like that. But we want to start um, just giving a very brief overview mm-hmm. and like sell the book um, without spoiling anything. Um, All I, the books that we're going to be talking about are obviously ones we recommend. So well, maybe maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we're going to read some books and just be like, <laughs> maybe don't, we'll read some downers. Don't read this. <laughs> um, but okay. So and the thing about this book is like, you can barely talk about any of it without spoiling something because there's a fairly big shift in the story, like really early on. Yeah. And I remember being like, like uh, pretty impressed by that when I read it the first time. It I, moves quickly. Yeah, there's the like pace a... pace moves really quickly. There's sort of like an inciting incident early on, and you're like, whoa, I did not see this book going in this direction. Right, so spoilers are going to start pretty early on. Right, but like, okay, so the book is uh, sci-fi, um, probably more, you know, your like fantastical sci-fi, mm-hmm. um, like... It feels a little bit more like Star Warsy than than like something, you know, cyberpunk or anything like that. Yeah, I'd agree. Because um, they're they're mi- they're they're mining on Mars. Right. So it still takes place in like our galaxy. Um, it's sort of about these like downtrodden people who got sent to Mars to mine helium three to terraform the planet because Earth is overpopulated and stuff like that um that's that's and you're sort of the main character is is a member of this like under society that lives underground and has terrible lives and it sort of sounds like they have like a like a a, a totalitarian government kind of forcing them to do this mining and and the class system is very apparent early on because of course all fantasy all good sci-fi and fantasy novels have a very clear class system we all we all know that all all sci-fi has classes i I would argue so yeah it does yeah it's definitely like so it becomes very apparent early on right there's like these like everyone's classified into color groups which is your society like you know like he's a red which is the, the low, lowest the lowest like you know they have no rights or whatever and then every, and there's like golds which like run the society and then you get like all these like pinks and bronzes and, and they all have their roles and they all have their roles it's a lot like uh like uh um brave new world it kind of reminds me of which i've never read you haven't but like if you yeah, a lot of people had to read it in middle school and stuff. So, it's, I, it's not, you either read that one or you read 1984. Usually, oh yeah, um, I did read that. One. I read Brave New World. It sort of <laughs> reminded me of that. Um, this is a lot better than I thought Brave New World was, though. Oh god, yeah, I, I haven't really heard great things about Aldous Huxley, but <laughs> sure, <whatever. laughs> yeah, I, that is not a book that I recommend you start out with. Um, so, but it is well laid out, like pretty early on, like within the. First chapter, you're pretty clear on sort of the structure of the world and the fact that our main character, yeah, of Darrow, yeah, is part of this lowest class of society as the Reds, yeah, um, and that really forms the foundation of the book, I would say. So, I mean, I'm not sure how much we can talk about without getting in without getting into spoilers. But okay, so like, what, what, yeah, what I wanted to, what I would say is like, if I'm trying to like talk about what what kind of other books would if you like the other books like would you like this book like I think um, 
again, without spoiling too much, like if you liked like the Hunger Games, mm-hmm. I think this book, you you would like this book as well. Absolutely. If you like, agree. If you like that sort of like fantastical sci-fi, like Star Warsy sort of themes, I think you will like this. If you like books that sort of um, do some good world building, mm-hmm. I also think that this is a book that you'll enjoy yeah. because it is. It, it, Pierce, Pierce Brown does a really good job of it, building a world fairly early on. It feels like it's 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 well thought out. This whole thing, and it's not a different like it's not it's not a fantasy world. It's not a separate world. Obviously, it's still based on our world and our planet. Yeah, and it, and so yeah, and there's that other aspect where it, it feels very relatable to some extent because it's not you know the planet of Tatooine with the master Yoda <laughs> exactly it's 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 like they're on Mars and you know what Mars is and they're talking about overpopulated earth which you know what that is right e- exactly and, um, and one of the things that I actually found interesting and was hoping that I wanted to mention was um it, he alludes to sort of a period of time you 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 find out pretty early on sort of how far in the future you are. Yeah. And he sort of alludes to our current state of the world as ancient history and alludes to this sort of 300 span, I think it's about like 300 years of, of time that have passed. Right. So you get a pretty clear sense right. yeah, I think pretty it's, early on. They, they tell you it's like 300 years in the future. I think it is, yeah. Um, of, of like what that history is without going into a lot of detail about it, which I appreciate. You sort of are left to kind of fill in the blanks yourself in your mind as to what happened in those 300 years to get from where we are now to where they are there in the book. Mm-hmm. So um, is there anything else that you want to say about the book in general before before getting into kind of the specifics of it? Um, yeah, no, okay. So like going forward, you're going to get some spoilers. Yeah. So... Um, it's hard to talk about, I would say, 95% of the book without ruining the at least the, the initial thing. So go, okay, pause the podcast, just go read this 382-page book, and come back. So we're back. Okay, so uh, the major first reveal of this book, like we were pretty saying- Pretty early. Pretty early, um, which is pretty cool. I, I It sort of sticks in my head as like one of those moments in my um, reading- um, I don't want to, career is not the right word, but, um, it's a, it's a moment that's, yeah, it's a moment that sort of stuck with me is that they find out or Darrow, the main character finds out that they, uh, are not like pioneers being sent to Mars to set up a terraforming project so that the overpopulated earth can move to Mars. Uh, humans have been living on Mars for hundreds of years and they just, uh, like Darrow's ancestors got sent here to terraform the planet hundreds of years hundreds of years ago but then they just realized that it was going to be much more financially viable if they just tell all those people underground that mars is still not ready for humans and keep them locked underground while there's like a fully functioning terraformed planet going on above them uh the whole time so there are they're slaves essentially yeah but they feel that they're not told the yeah. truth because otherwise of course they're not going to want to stay yeah so they're yeah they're given all this propaganda yeah this propaganda that they're they're these brave pioneers when really they're just toiling in a fully functioning planet underground and it's interesting because darrow as a character whom as an aside i think is an excellently formed character um, the character development that he has throughout the book, I think, is one of the better I've seen. However, 
uh, at the beginning of the book, he is sort of very dedicated to this idea of him being a pioneer and doing this. He has a lot of 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 patriotism towards that idea. Right. So you feel pretty significantly his betrayal when he finds this out, yeah. which I think is important because he needs to have felt that in yeah. order to become the sort of revolutionary character that he grows into being. Yeah, and like I yeah, he definitely is more he's a young he's like they kind of He's talk, 16. They talk about him as being like a young, like hotshot kind of guy who yeah. still has a lot of like hope, I suppose. Maybe he's 18. Um, he's pretty young. Yeah. Well, I, I think anyway, they, but yeah. but okay. he, he's like, um, you know, he's like the head of his mining crew, and there's this 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 like competition every week to see who can get the most minerals, and he doesn't, you know, realize that this is rigged, and they sort of set it up. By like all the older people in the community, like are like, don't worry about that stupid competition. And then he eventually realizes that his little competition is rigged. And then one group of people is always going to win, sort of the prize. Yeah, it's like that classic. Like you, you see it in some like real world politics where they're like they try and like all the, there's all these like red slaves basically, and they just make they pit them against each other so they don't you know worry about the overlords at all right and it's kind of an interesting commentary as i was reading it i definitely saw it as a commentary on the fact that the system is rigged against certain groups of people it's actually a commentary on systemic racism in my mind yeah like, in a in a certain way the systems yeah, that are I, in place will disadvantage certain people regardless of what they do to yeah, try and like it definitely said this like uh it feels like they're trying to like make some sort of commentary, which I always kind of find interesting in sci-fi and yeah. fantasy, um, where you know you you can maybe like show the pr- problems in the real world a little bit more obviously once you take all the people's names who would get offended <laughs> out of the calculation. And it's just, a bit more palatable. And just show all the actions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, show all the actions, and then you read this book, and you're like, "Well, why would anyone ever do this to another person?" And then you realize, "Oh wait, yeah. we're doing it." <laughs> right. um, yeah, I actually, I actually didn't think about that as much before, but now that we're talking about it, yeah, that's definitely, I think, the, it's, like a thing that he's trying to do. Yeah, which I find. Well, uh, I always like books that sort of have a second layer to them. So right, like I'm a this big fan. Yeah, and this is obviously like this is pretty. This is a pretty dystopian future, like. You know, this is some, there's, there's some, you know, like most of the world is a slave and you find out like even the people at the top of this society, like kind of like, they're obviously very privileged, but, but like, they're kind of like stuck in this weird system that isn't necessarily ideal for them either. Right. And they don't actually know the full extent of it either. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, like there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happens at the top of the society. They don't That's- really know. Uh, so, like, sort of, like, in the in the beginning, you get a sense of there sort of being, like, a revolutionary undercurrent with um, Daryl's wife, Eo. Right. Pretty early on. Okay, so maybe we should stop and, like, just say what the story, the story of this is okay. a little bit. say the story. So, basically, yeah. like we were saying, this guy starts un- unknowingly as sort of an underground slave. Um, he has a wife that is executed for sort of like, you know, questioning the powers that be sort of situation. Revolutionary. Right, yeah. Anyway, yeah, anyway, nothing very serious, but yeah, anyway, executed for it. So he's not happy about that. 
and then it, devastated really. and then there's like there's a rebel group that sort of um you know it seems like they're taking advantage of his anger at the system and grabs him and shows him that the world that he's like living underground uh and this society is like above him and then he uh they have this plan where they can because it's the future they can genetically modify him to look and act and behave like one of the golds in the society who in a process which is called carving right it's a fancy word for plastic surgery i think yep um so they yeah and because like supposedly in this world like they there's all this genetic stuff that makes these golds like 10 times stronger than humans and all the rest of it it's very interesting I guess and uh so they genetically modify him and then they sneak him into the gold society to infiltrate is their long-term plan and like you know maybe cause some sort of havoc in the future but they're but it's sort of a long game it's like like, they want him to be like become a powerful member of gold society right get into politics or the army like like get into the army command a fleet and then be able to wreak a bunch of havoc from the inside and and, and essentially overthrow the entire system yeah they're playing the very long game super long game so um yeah so their whole plan revolves around sending him to like the institute the institute which is their university for the best of the best like you know this is this is the harvard of the gold society and no one really knows what happens at the institute right right it's all sort of a really well-kept secret right so he gets sent to this institute because this is where you know if you're going to become an army commander or a high politician like you that that's where all the all those people are picked from is is the is the institute and then so he gets there to the institute he realizes it's not really a school it's basically the hunger games it's it's like a they, war game they yeah they take all of the the best of the best and they sort of put them in this like you know wilderness with little castles on teams and they have to basically fight their way to supremacy so it's also the part of it that i find interesting is um the the mythology element to it which we haven't touched on yet so as part of this game they're all sorted into houses right essentially like harry potter style it's very harry potter style (laughs) there's no sorting hat yeah but the the proctors I believe. Yeah, it's like the school teachers are... Exactly. They're each in charge of these various houses. And they're all based on on Greek mythology? Roman mythology? Yeah. Combination of the two? Yeah, I think it's... uh, it's, Jupiter. Yeah, it's it's It's, Roman. It's Roman. Yeah. 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 Um, Jupiter, Mercury, Mars. Right. Um, And they all are are chosen based on testing scores and a lot of their personality traits. Um, and so every um, every house has a different sort of area in this, there's this like huge landscape, mountains, plains, bogs, whatever. And they each have their own and it's section. And it's sort of like, unlike the Hunger Games, where you just gotta kill everybody, yeah. there's this weird future system where you tap people on the head with your special stick and then they become your slave, in air quotes. and. I, and it's just like Scout's Honor, it seems like. like No, it shows up. Like I know it shows up, but oh. like they don't there's no mind control involved. No. They it's just shame for the future. So right. essentially everyone is watching this, this is all being televised. Yeah. 
So they know what's happened. So everyone outside knows what's happened. Yeah. So, yeah, they televise it. And then, yeah, so they send all these videos to all the people that will hire you. And uh, you want to be the house that enslaves all the other houses. And you can sort of, like, send your little slaves to go do things. And they have to listen once they've been captured. Um, The goal is essentially to be the head of the house that beats everyone else. Yeah. That's sort of the ultimate position. So what do you think about this as as a like uh, uh, it's not really a school it's more of like a like a like a testing ground like to to let people pick the best of the best like what do you think of this as that system like i was sort of reading through this and like spoiler alert you're not supposed to kill people but a lot of people die you know they sort of make mention of this that like you know accidents happen they're all running around trying to club each other over the head and like a lot of people end up dying it's sort of like the gold society is also like this Victorian England sort of situation where everyone cares about dueling for their honor. So a lot of people get like killed because someone insulted them. So I, I thought it made a lot of sense for the story. Like it's really, really entertaining, like in terms of right. the, the writing part of it. And based on their society it's the only way that they can train them for the what they're going to have to do in the future right they like this is sort of what i was talking about earlier about how like this society is not particularly amazing for the golds either like obviously they have a lot more like quality of life things than the slaves but they're always dueling each other it's like to enter the school you have to kill someone right so yeah and there's this whole thing where they like they weed out the people they have like an iq test basically and they weed it weed out all the people who do the worst on the iq test and make the people who did the best kill them so like this is like your trial but also like they want to like evolution it's a darwinism well no it's it's like eugenics which Right, I doesn't guess so. doesn't really work anyway. So, so so I mean, what I liked, but that's given, their theory. What I liked, given my love of politics, that you find out pretty early on, that what's happening in the school is just like a really small part, and is like a reflection of what's happening in the society. So you you can you he you find out through Darrow finding out fairly yeah. early on that the high up people want to make sure their kids aren't being killed. And there's a lot of side deals been going on with the people who are in charge of this Well, there is, institute. But, but like you, that's not really the case. Like that, everyone makes everyone's like really shocked that this is happening. Like because like this is supposed to not happen very often. Well, but that goes to what you're saying of this not working well for the Golds either. Yeah. Is this has been happening? They just haven't been aware of it. Yeah, it, it's been happening the whole time. And they're just now suddenly realizing that they're all sort of pawns as well right. and part of this. Right. So, like, the jackal. Right. Which right. is so an there's important a, part of the story. Right. There's this whole other side plot where you, so, find, you find out, like, like, the governor of Mars has sort of paid for his kids to win this Hunger Games thing. Um, and so the teachers are all helping this guy win. Like, at, to me, it, it seemed like this was shocking. Like, when everyone figured out that this was happening, they're like, this is not how this game is supposed to work. Right, because they've also been fed the same... It's, yeah, I, yeah. it's like, it's a very clear parallel. But I didn't, like, see a lot of, excuse, like, a lot of examples of this happening in the past. Like, like I, it, it didn't seem like this has been going on for a long time. It seemed like the governor this year, his kids were in there, and this is what's happening this year. Maybe. I saw it more of, and, the, and this is perhaps where you and I differ, I saw it more as a parallel 
of okay, so like the the miners in Mars were being kept doing what they were doing right. in their roles mm, yeah. over time, over time because they've been been fed this story that they're pioneers, right? right. I think that being... the same thing's been happening in the institute where they've been just fed this lie. Right. Like you're here to to learn to be the best of the best and yeah. don't worry, like nothing else is happening. It's all honor based, whatever. But yeah. the whole time all these other politics have been happening, it just took someone who wasn't of that world to come in to see it happening, to show everybody that it was happening. But I think it's been happening the whole time. Right. That was my view of it is sort of like there's this now sort of bridge of like someone who's like realized it happened in his world now came up to the gold and realized, yeah, it's happening here too, which is why it was so satisfying when he was able to get all of the kids, for lack of a better word, on his side to fight against the powers, the adult powers that be. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Maybe there is sort of like a parallel from the slave level to the to the gold level. It's definitely how I saw it, which um, was interesting. Uh, so what I did not know the first time I read this, or I mean I knew it, but I forgot, is there's, there's actually a girl named Leah in this. There is. There's a character named Leah. She's not particularly great. Uh, <laughs> but she's she's fine. I mean, she's fine. And then, like, as I was as I was reading, I was like, why don't I remember this character? And then halfway through, you go, oh, this is why. This is why. She's, she's not great. Because she's horribly murdered, actually, is why. Okay, I actually want to talk about the characters. I want to talk about your thoughts on the characters. Okay. Who was your favorite character? Who is my favorite character? Yes, that's what I want to know. Um, I think you know who mine is. Is it Leah? No, no. she's the worst. <laughs> uh, okay, so, I mean... You know, obviously, I like I, I don't think there's anyone I particularly re- relate to because they're all kind of like these weird monsters of the world they live in. Right. Like nobody's particularly someone I closely relate to. Right. Um, like the main character I felt was interesting enough. He's a bit much sometimes. He's a like he gets really emotional. Like I have written, <laughs> I have written here when like his wife doesn't die at the beginning right away she sort of gets beaten or something like that yeah well they both get beaten or she gets tied up or something and like he he got whipped and then and then she got whipped after him on this like whipping pole thing and he says something like he's like the the whipping pole was so cold i wish more of my blood had fallen on the pole to warm the pole for her when i was being whipped i'm like that's like (laughs) chill out man (laughs) but this is like a mythological world which deals in those extremes like even like the reason that she was being punished was because she sings a song that talks about like revolution right and that was a forbidden song she wasn't allowed to sing yeah so like there is this element of like extremism right um yeah i get what you're saying i think the whole book yeah is probably it feels like a little bit fantastical but yeah like i just that line stuck out to me (laughs) that's funny i'm like calm down man um yeah he is a dramatic person he is dramatic i there's there's this other like underdoggy i like an underdog there's this underdoggy character named uh i think what is it severo severo and he's the best ever like it's implied like like it's implied they have this system right that they the best iq 
score person kills the worst IQ score person. It's implied that he actually was one of the worst IQ score people. He wasn't supposed to win. And by a fluke, he like came back and killed the guy that was supposed to kill him. Like he was supposed to be the sacrifice. It's implied that that's what happened. So that's kind of cool. I, uh, he, and like, okay, so here's one of the other things that I find interesting is that um, when it comes to this book, it was hard to read it because we've read the trilogy and I've like read the rest of the books is it's hard to read it and figure out the characters and like without because I now know their whole story. Yeah, well, see, I didn't have that problem because I forget. Ah, so right. <laughs> I just vaguely kind of remember what some of them do later on. But yeah, I who I who was your favorite character? I thought Mustang. Right. Obviously. Must it? Yeah. So that I'm was kind of sucker was, for the strong female characters. Right. She's great. Big fan of her. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she's not too bad. I feel like I like when you said that. Who's your favorite character? I feel like not a lot of people are um, like fleshed out very well to me, other than Darrow, like the main character. Yeah, I would. I would. I would. I would definitely say that that's the case. Like the whole book is from his perspective, so you don't. Yeah, you don't really like see the inner thoughts of anyone else. So like some of them have some minor progressions, but it's not. I didn't feel like I related closely with anybody else, or like, you know, saw any sort of character development on the same level. Right. Yeah. It's very much from his perspective. He's really like the only character that you that you see go through anything. Right. Um. But again, I sort of know how that how that I I could I, I read it with the background of knowing their characters being developed in the previous books. So I think that that probably added like a different layer of it to me. Right. But. Yeah, um, I, I sort of forgot that about this whole like they become friends and then she he finds out that they're she's related to this this jackal guy that he's his adversary. Right. And so, then at the end she sort of surprises him by he thinks she's betrayed her and, and then it turns out that she she was actually on his side the whole time because she hates her brother, I guess. And I well, I also liked that sort of there wasn't a lot of like relationship tropes that happened with uh, Mustang and Darrow in that they end up together. Spoiler. But um, when he sort of like assumes that she's going to betray him when she goes to to attack the Jackal and sort of win the game at the end by doing so, um, he 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 assumes that she's going to betray him, betray him and she is not mad at him about that. He, she sort of like understands. She's like, yep. Like that that's a reasonable thing for you to have assumed. Like oh, I'm right. not I'm not going to like be pissed off at you because that's something that you assumed about me. Um so I kinda sort of liked that they didn't sort of go into sort of the emotional woman trope in that relationship. Mm. Yeah, um, she's definitely I thought like, that was good. She definitely seems like she's supposed to be um like a bit of a hard ass sort of character. Exactly. Oh. Oh, I I also I don't I don't know what you thought about this. I liked the language that they used, how the way they used language throughout the book. So, like, for example, bloody damn and gory damn, like this sort of... Mm, yeah, no, I always like stuff like that. Like, that's sort of what we were talking about at the beginning with the world building. Yeah, I really like st- little things like that where, like, the lower class and the upper class use different swear words, and they sort of highlight that a little bit in, in a way that, you know, is they make it part of his training montage, for lack of a better word. I find that sort of stuff interesting. It makes the world feel... A lot more real. Exactly. So he's like constantly worried he's going to slip up, use the wrong swear word, sort of the low class swear word, yeah. rather the red swear word, right. rather than the gold one. And there's this really 
cool um, scenario where one of his adversaries in his in his house that he eventually has to kill uses sort of that low class red swear word. Right, and he finds out that that guy's also maybe a spy. Could also be someone yeah. that's infiltrated because he's sort of the only one that succeeded in all of the ones that they've tried. So they've tried this, what, like 90 sometimes before? Right, to like genetically modify a spy or whatever. <laughs> yeah, those were some of the things that like I found super interesting yeah. about it. Would you send your kid to this school? Yeah, sure. The murder school? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I was thinking about that. Like, I'm, you know, they do keep it a bit of a secret, but like, I would imagine the sorts of people that send their kids to the school probably went to this school and probably know what's up. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess you're just in a society where it's like, well, everyone, all these golds are trying to try and kill each other, so my kid better go to this Hunger Games school. To well, that's like, why they try and rig it all. Yeah, to, you know, learn how to backstab and stuff. But Exactly, and that's why. So, I, I mean, I also think that there, there actually is a lot of commentary on in there about sort of the parent-child relationship. Like, you find out that one of the proctors of of one of the houses is the father of Severo, who is one of the characters in the book. Right, he's like a teacher that sent his kid to this Hunger Games murder school. Exactly, and he's like kind of looking out for him, kind of can't really. Right. Um, but, but that's sort of an interesting dynamic that you come across, which I which I find is, is pretty great. And then, um, and, and I think it's probably later on in the in in the other books but there's a lot of dynamic between jackal mustang who are siblings and their father who darrow actually ends up working for right and that's yeah that's sort of like the finale where because his dad is actually their dad is actually the guy who killed darrow's wife and so that's his like big vendetta the whole book right and so he sort of is in the ultimate position to exact his revenge, and that's sort of where the book ends. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. And spoiler alert, the other books are great too. That's true. Okay, so is there, what else What else should we talk about here? Um, well, I want to talk about the feminism check okay. that I want to do in all of our books. What is the feminism check? The feminism check is talking about the strength of the female characters. Okay. Um, and whether or not they pass the Bagechell test. Right, okay. And, and that and, is... Yeah, let's go over what that is for those who don't know that what, what that is. Do two women talk together about something that is... Now, in, what, are you, what are you saying? These are, two, these, these are things that have to happen to pass the test? This one thing has to happen. This one thing Two has, women have to have a conversation about something that's not a man. And, and then it passes the test. Passes the if test. If this happens in the book. If this happens okay. in any sort of media. Okay. So two women have, have a conversation. Com- have a conversation. Something that's not a man. Something that's not a man. Um, I don't know if that happens. I don't think this happens. I don't think it happens. It's very rare that it happens. I will tell you that there's, right now. There's only a few women in this story, um, and they don't interact with each other very often. Not terribly. I think there are some sort of stronger female characters like we were talking about. That is something that I like about it. There's a character, I don't remember her name, in, but she's like in the same team as Darrow, and uh, she's not particularly helpful to anyone in that team, but it, like, she makes it very clear early on that she's not going to be messed with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Mustang, obviously, strong female character. I will say, like, 
like there's some strong female characters in this book but uh at the same time there is an awful lot of like damsel in distress sort of situations mm-hmm. um like darrow comes to the rescue of a lot of women in distress like i think it happens two or three times mm-hmm. where he's trying to help a woman out mm-hmm. um they even like hang a lantern on it at one point where he rescues mustang and she's like oh no i'm a damsel in distress i like that moment well i you know you know you like it to some extent and you're like ah they see what they're doing but at the same time just just if you don't want to have a damsel in distress just don't do it just write the story differently so mustang doesn't need to be rescued or a woman doesn't need to be rescued um so yeah, if you're looking for a bastion of feminism, I wouldn't say this book is that. Agreed. At the same time, it was, you know, you know, I, I feel like sci- sci-fi and fantasy has always sort of had that problem with female characters where they don't get as much of a spotlight. This yeah, one, this I think one's you're probably correct. This one's like in the middle of that spectrum. Right. All of the most important relationships feel like like they're between like there's a man involved. Like, yeah, which like at the same time, um, like it's a it's a book uh, from the point of view of the main character. Like you don't have any other viewpoint characters, so like this is sort of like your example with your test. Like it's hard to have a conversation between two women, not about a man, when your only option in the way that this book is written is to have it from the viewpoint of. Darrow. Right. So exactly. he has to be there, not speaking, witnessing two women talk to each other. Exactly. So by like by the nature, that's a little bit difficult. It's so, tough to do. I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but um, but you're right. But it doesn't maybe come up as naturally to the writer as as if there were multiple viewpoint characters where some of them are women. So I will say also in terms of other characters that Pax was probably one of my. Oh, yeah. And he provided a lot of necessary comic relief. Right. He was kind of comical. Honestly, and spoiler alert, he dies. It is sad. And I forgot that he died. Oh, no. Like, I like maybe they talk about him in the other books enough, but tons. Yeah, they always reference him, but I like I thought I was in the long haul for Pax. I was like, oh, yeah, this character. He'll be around for three books. And, I also forgot. Yeah. Um, he dies. He, he like, again, he's. <laughs> He's one of these characters that I feel like a lot of people, clearly Leah included, like him. Big fan. Um, but he doesn't really do anything. It's, he's just he's just like a kind of a funny guy. He he he's funny and also like is kind in and in this book that's hard to come by. Sort of has this sort of like kind heart that you feel is there despite right. his actions. Right. Okay. So here's okay. I'm interested you brought that up. So every once in a while while reading this book you feel the need to like uh, latch onto a character that you think is nice or kind or moral or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you have to remember that everyone in this school just a week before brutally murdered a child with their bare hands. And it's interesting because the writing keeps reminding you of that they too. Do, they do try to remind you like, you know, Pax is, yeah, he's kind of sweet and kind of nice, but he did brutally strangle a child to death a week ago. Yeah. So... How nice is he really? Exactly. It sort of brings you back. There's like a brutal undertone to the book where you're constantly reminded that all these people are kind of horrible, but sort of that they're forced into doing these horrible things. Right. Um, But, you know, is that an excuse? Well, in the book it is. It seems, yeah. In the book it is. I mean, like, you know, I guess it's a very different culture. So exactly. Not to be too, too ethnocentric about these people. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I, um, I think 
Like it's very like obviously it's there's a lot of parallels to say the Hunger Games. Yeah. Um like, I would agree. Like even like there's that whole thing in the middle where him, like Darrow, I should say, and Mustang are hiding in the woods. It feels a lot like the whole sequence of Hunger Games where PETA and Katniss are hiding in the woods. Definitely. Like there seems like it came out sort of in the same half decade as Hunger Games. Like it Which f- came out first? Is the Hunger Games is old? I think 2010. Don't oh, quote, interesting. Don't quote me on that. Okay. But uh, the the, I, the Hunger Games was definitely older. Um, it felt like it was maybe like cashing in as a gross word, maybe, but for but it felt like it was like, uh, in that hype train, you know, of Hunger Game esque ga- uh, books. And I um, but I, I I found like this Hunger Games setup more engaging. Yep. Um, partially, okay. be- partially because I think um, it was it, it's definitely more dynamic. Like there's like castle sieges and slaves being taken, and it's a lot more interesting than like, or I shouldn't say more interesting, but you know, Katniss is just a girl starving in the woods. It also feels more adult. It it, it does in feel my more, mind. Yeah, and then like you were saying, um, like they are sort of talking about the psychological like moral ramifications of what they're doing a lot more when i started reading the hunger games a million years ago i thought like you know i got this synopsis that's about kids killing each other in an arena Mm -hmm. and i thought it was going to be much more psychological but it's you know you know hunger games is a fine book but it's a lot of like katniss only kills people that the author has assured the reader are kind of bad kids anyway so you don't feel that bad about it right and katniss like i think in the later books does like you know have some ptsd about it but it's 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 more about survival than the mental problems that you would run into in a hunger games whereas this one is maybe a little bit you know you're in the head of the character you know having these problems agreed to some extent to some extent darrow's still just a bit of a sociopath but yeah i no i i definitely agree with that and i i think that that's that psychological element so there's a turning point sort of in the game after darrow has experienced sort of his like major defeat by cassius and and when he starts building his army and it's separated from it sort of being a house thing and he's now sort of recruiting people by virtue of of appealing to their Right. I, I found that very interesting. It, it, there is a like there is a lot of psychological elements to that in terms of he's building a stronger, more loyal army mm-hmm. because it transcends sort of house affiliation, which is sort of what the game is based on. So sort of, sort of, sort of, he's sort of flouting the rules of how this typically happens. Yeah. That whole that whole section I loved that. Yeah, that whole section I felt like they were definitely trying to teach me some some moral lessons that I was maybe getting a little lost in, but it's because the house is the whole school is set up you know it's kind of interesting it's set up to teach these sort of indoctrinate these golds into like the the necessity of taking slaves which their whole society is based on with these reds and stuff and and how they have to you know constantly be fighting or they'll become weak or whatever right and and then juxtapose that with darrow's um like freeing the slaves sort of Um, plan that he comes up with and how that works so much better you know the book goes out and points out how much better this works for him than the classic like just take slaves and order them around kind of situation exactly and you sort of see how in the end he feels like he's built friendships that transcend and sort of just the game Mm -hmm. and and that is kind of true 
yeah and then and then also but all the people when he gets out of the game not not necessarily maybe his friends but he, he comes out of that whole game thinking he's got all these friends and then some golds that were watching him are like you're an idiot like nobody ca- nobody has friends what are you talking about yeah and like we won't go into what happens in the other books as much but but like you sort of I think it is it is sort of making this commentary that you know this is a better way of doing things like it's a very bold stance that slavery is bad um, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. but, uh, but that's the stance they're taking <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's rough okay so um, I don't know do you have anything else I don't think so. I'll probably come up with stuff later. Right, yeah. After I've we finish, you're like, ah, should have said that. To have said. Yeah, so anyway, I, I do you recommend this book? I recommend this book. We should have said that at the beginning before we spoiled it. <laughs> we kind of did. But we did. Or maybe that was in the other take. Right. I don't remember. <laughs> there was no other take. <laughs> now I have to edit that out. Um, there was another take. Okay, so yeah, I, we both recommend it. It's part of a series. I think this one stands alone, though. Like, you could read this and be happy. And if you like it, there's more. Yes, but I definitely got to the end and immediately wanted to read, wanted to read the next one. And, it, it is addictive. And and I will say, this book series, like, sort of changes each book. Like, it's you won't, you won't be going back to a Hunger Games setup. Next book, you'll be doing something else. And so I will say this book keeps progressing and putting you in different settings, or this series, I should say putting you in different settings um which keep it like fresh and interesting as you go through the series and it gets bigger and bigger the struggle and and you know some of that long game that we were talking about them setting up kind of comes to light um but yeah highly recommend it and we'll do a podcast on the second book probably Maybe we will. probably not next if if but, uh if requested yeah by me or you exactly um, do you want to talk about the next book we're doing? Right. So the next book I think we're going to do is called The uh, Fifth Season, which is by uh, a woman named M.K. Jemison. Um, I don't know when that actually came out off the top of my head. I didn't look that up. But uh, I've read it before. Leah has not read it before. Um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It was s- super cool world building. Um, it's It's fantasy, but very different than probably a lot of fantasy you would be used to have you you have you started it yet nope no started. okay well you're in for a treat I just finished my other book which we won't go into okay all right um all right well anything else no nope, i don't think so okay bye so- everybody bye